Hello, and welcome to the Christ Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. This is Matthew Best. I serve as pastor of Christ Lutheran Church in Allison Hill in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here. If today's message connects with you and what you're going through, brings you inspiration, or offers connection with God, I ask you to please stay on after the message for just a few moments to learn ways to connect with the congregation and the health ministries that we offer. And now, let's dive into God's Word. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I read this article, I found this in preparation. It's from Esquire magazine, not a magazine I normally read. Shocking as that might be. But the title caught my attention. And this was just published on February 1st, a couple weeks ago. In preparations for Valentine's Day, it was obviously a Valentine's Day article about gift giving and all this. So the title was 75 Best Gifts for Men Who Seemingly Have Everything. (laughs) The subtitle said, Gifts He Doesn't Know He Wants Yet, and You Know Will Make It in Time. So quick shipping, I guess, Amazon Prime or something, whatever. So there's this whole array of gadgets and gadgets and things that you've probably never heard of, and there's things that you have heard of, I'm sure. There were a variety of different foods, some kind of, I, I don't even know, some kind of beef from somewhere exotic, I, I don't know, whatever. Do you know that they have special whiskey glasses that you can put in the freezer that don't break? Yeah. Okay. 
It's all sorts of interesting things. And then there's just a whole bunch of items that um, I looked at them, I read the description, and I still have no idea what these items are or what they do. I just, I guess I'm not the target audience for, for this. <clears throat> there was, in the second paragraph of this, this really caught my attention. The man who has everything needs nothing. There'll be no gifting of socks or AirPods here. The man who has everything wants nothing. He won't direct you to his favorite bottle of wine or bourbon. But the man who has everything already has undoubtedly left some gaps in his pursuit of acquisitions. Yeah, cringe. Oof. And we just know how to fill them. Wow. It was, it was going well at the beginning part, <laughs> right? And then it just took this downhill path into consumerism that you don't really have everything until you have possession of everything. Possessions are supposedly what give us meaning and fulfillment and, and this idea of success. I mean, think about how we measure success in our society. He who dies with the most stuff wins. He's still dead. And you don't get to take it with you. We've all heard that before, right? This gospel is an interesting gospel in many different ways. Jesus is talking about wealth. And, and before I really get into this, I think it's really important. I talked about this in the, in the Bible study. You know, there's this one phrase in here. Jesus says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. A little bit of context is really important to get a good understanding of what Jesus is talking about. In the ancient world, and you could probably say in some other places and times, but especially in the ancient world, those who were wealthy did not come about it because they worked hard for the most part. There are rare exceptions, but for the most part, they came about it because they screwed somebody over. It's ill-gotten gains. There's a whole system in the ancient world where just a very small few people have a huge amount of the wealth, and it's designed to be that way. That's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the rich. It's not just about a matter of money or possessions. It's about the system that is oppressive, that is manipulative, that is cruel. Jesus is talking about something much more than just money in this. I think that's just a really important thing uh, to mention in this because it's not a... When I read this, I don't hear Jesus saying, oh, rich people are bad, carte blanche, okay? That's not the point of what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a system that happens. So <clears throat> this gospel, like I said, is very interesting. You've got this guy who... It says, Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him, and says, good teacher. This is a guy who's legitimately 
coming and seeking knowledge, seeking an answer. He's not like so many of the other encounters that Jesus has with people trying to trap him or get Jesus to confirm what they already believe or spin Jesus or whatever. This guy runs to Jesus like a child. He falls to his knees, which is an act of reverence, and he gives him this reverential title, good teacher. There's a legitimacy in this this man. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What an interesting question. What must I do to inherit anything? What do you have to do to inherit? Nothing. It's given to you because of who you're in relationship with. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That question has always been like, well, this is so weird. We find out later that this is a guy who has great wealth. The other Gospels will start off, a rich young man comes running up to Jesus. But Mark doesn't do that. We don't know that he's got a lot of wealth until later in this story. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes on, and they have this little discussion about what goodness is, but Jesus gives these commandments, right? You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, which is not exactly what the the commandment says, by the way. It's a little bit different. Honor your father and mother. All of these have to do with relationship. They're all relational. Jesus doesn't mention the first couple of commandments which have to do with our relation with God. It's all between equals. And so he says, Teacher, I, all these I have kept since I was a boy. I want you to notice throughout this passage that there's a lot of family-oriented discussion going on. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? All these I have kept since I was a boy. And then when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he addresses them and says, children. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. There's um, a couple of different theologians who have commented on this. One of them is uh, Claudio Carvales, who's a a liberation theologian, focuses a lot on Central America and reading the gospel through the lens of the Central American experience. And he said the gospel is much less about what we think it is and much more about what we are unwilling to do. I mean, this, this, this gospel lesson talks about Here's, here's Jesus responding back after the man says, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him, first of all. That's not often referenced, but Jesus loved this man like a child. 
like he's part of the household. You loved him. And he says to him, you lack one thing. Here's a guy who's got everything. Go back to, this is probably one of the, it's not listed as one of the 75 best things that, uh, for the man who seemingly has everything. You lack one thing, Jesus says. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. When there's everything, there's nothing. When there's nothing, there's everything. Jesus does this oftentimes of flipping things up. At this, the man's face fell. He went away because he had great wealth. We don't know what happens to him after this. We don't know if he sells everything. We don't know if he loses faith. We have no idea what happens with this man. But in this moment, he's sad. What is this really about? For, for this man, it wasn't about all the different ways in which to be in relationship with others so much as there was this one thing that was in the way. And for this man, it was his wealth. This guy was legitimately trying to be doing the right thing. It's pretty legitimate here. And yet there's this one thing that he lacks. A guy who has everything and yet lacks. That's really interesting. (laughs) He lacks being part of the household and seeing all others as part of the household. In a matter of, for him, sharing what he has with those who lack materially. Now, the question is always, is this Jesus' command for all of us? I mean, this is Jesus' command for this guy. And we can debate all that for till the cows come home. But I think if we're going to pull anything out of this, and if we're going to hear anything that Jesus is saying is, what's in the way of following me? Get rid of it. But that's hard. We're more likely to be just like the man who comes up to Jesus. It's going to be hard to give up the things that we value. Whether we earn them, we care about them, or if they're just something that's really important for us. I mean, this goes in if you go further. When Jesus is talking with uh, the disciples and Peter says, hey, we gave up everything to follow you. When, when Peter says everything, he means everything. Everything. That's not just material objects. That's relationships. He's given up everything. And Jesus acknowledges this. Truly, I tell you, that's his way of acknowledging it. No one who's left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions in the age to come, eternal life. What Jesus is talking about is not family in the sense of bloodlines, but a household of God. There's a difference. A family is blood-related. We don't have any control over who's in our family. That's either good or bad. 
depending on people's experiences. But God invites us into a household. God is the head of the household. And we're all part of the household. A unit who are united by something stronger than blood. Care and love and concern. Service to one another. Elizabeth Shively, another theologian, said this about this gospel. This story reveals what we cherish most. It's about the relationship between a person's greatest treasure and the self-denial required to follow Jesus. A close reading unsettles our view of discipleship by demanding that it consists of radically following Jesus rather than simply following the rules. It's about relationship. And on our own, we're incapable of doing it. Just as this guy has just acknowledged in the sense It's really hard to give up everything. The good news is that Jesus comes to us regardless. Jesus still loves this man. It's not that because he walks away sad and he can't do it, that Jesus is all of a sudden going, well, done with you. I don't see anywhere in here that it says that Jesus heard, heard his answer or saw his answer, turned away and said, well, uh, forget it. Jesus loved him. Even in the midst of this, of how hard it is, because it's not possible for us. That may not sound like good news, but I'm going to tell you it's very good news. Because what is impossible for us is not impossible for God. All things, all things are possible with God. I hope you hear that as a burden coming off of your shoulders. There is nothing that any of us can do to earn God's love. There is nothing that any of us can do to earn eternal life, to spend eternity with God. There is nothing that any of us can do to make the world all better. There is nothing that any of us can do in a variety of different ways. But all things are possible with God. God does the impossible of taking on flesh being born into poverty, dwelling with people, walking amongst them, being with the outcasts of society, loving people, casting out demons, raising the dead, calming the storms, feeding people, on and on and on. All the Gospels keep listing all these things that what Jesus does, and they're impossible But Jesus makes it possible. Jesus does it. Jesus comes to us. And because of that, we're able to take even just a small piece of that and share that with someone else. To just share what we have. To share love, care and concern and mercy and grace. To share that. What we have. We've all got limitations. We all got limitations. 
Jesus isn't telling us be perfect because that's not possible. Jesus is saying, you're perfectly made. You're perfect in who you are. I love you. You are lovable, and I love you. And it's not because you're doing this, that, or the other thing. I love you. Go and share that love with others. Thanks be to God. Thank you again for listening to the Sermon Podcast. I'm always happy to have a conversation or pray with you. Please reach out either by email to pastor at christharrisburg.org or call me at 717-236-8382. I'd also invite you to be part of worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're a very diverse, open, affirming, and laid-back congregation. Christ Lutheran Church is located at 124 South 13th Street in Harrisburg. Parking is along the street. You can enter the building through the side entrance on South 13th Street or at the corner of 13th and Thompson Streets. And lastly, check us out on the web. Our website is ChristHarrisburg.org. There you can learn more about and offer your support for the congregation as well as the health ministries and free clinics that we provide to people in need in our neighborhood. I invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram also at Christ Lutheran Harrisburg. Thank you. I look forward to connecting with you, and I pray that you have a blessed week.